Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Thanks, man. Um, you know, I, I, I got to say, every time I, I don't get to be here as much as I used to. Back in the old days, I was campus pastor here, and um, this is kind of, I feel like this is my home church. Uh, I don't always get to be here. Uh, I, I had, a couple weeks ago, I had COVID, and then I was in New York, and I just feel like I'm disconnected. But then I show up, and, um, and man, there's a bunch of you guys I don't know. And that's fantastic. I'm just, I'm, I'm so happy that you're here. I don't know what brought you here. I know that um, coming to church can be weird. Uh, we're really weird. I was talking to a couple of boys before the service today, and they, they were like, we had, to, we had to warn our girlfriends before we brought them here because our pastors are super weird. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's what they, they, we had to warn our girlfriends about our pastors. That's a problem. No, it's not. Actually, it's great. Um, the, the, the truth is, I just want to say, if you are new, man, we are so honored that you would show up. I know, um, I know there are lots of different kinds of churches. Our church, you know, there, there are Holy Spirit churches. There are, like, Bible churches. There are churches that care about very specific things. There is one thing we are as a church. We are a Jesus church. Everything that we do. And so I don't know, you know, I don't know what you think about, uh, about God. I don't know what you, whether you're, you're all on board or you're still figuring out what you actually believe and somebody drags you here. Um, but here's what I know. I don't have, uh, I was about to say I don't have all the answers. I have very few answers in the world. But what I do know, what I am convinced about is that Jesus is worth following. Jesus is worth listening to. And so, um, and so we've been in this series. This, we've been walking through the book of Mark um, for like eight years. No, I'm just kidding. It feels like a long get to this moment that's called the transfiguration today. And, um, and it's a great story. I'm going to be honest with you, though. It's super weird. It's super like... I, that doesn't really sound possible kind of a thing. And I, I just want to say up front, you know, if you're trying to figure out God and stuff, I, we, don't, we don't pretend that, um, that the Bible isn't weird. If you read the Bible, it says weird things. It, weird things happened. And um, at the same time, I'm convinced that it is everything that we need to figure out what our life on this planet is supposed to look like. And so we're going to dig into it. Um, and man, we just hope you come with us if you're, if you're new. Now, um, yeah, I want to give you a little bit of context before we jump into our scripture for the day because, um, because I think what's most important is the juxtaposition. There are two things that happen six days apart. Six days ago, six days before this transfiguration that we're going to jump into, six days before that, Jesus and his disciples were talking, and there's this great interaction where, where he says, who do you say that I am? And, and Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus is like, oh man, you are so fantastic. You know exactly what, it wasn't even, you didn't even think that on your own. The Holy Spirit is the one who told you that. And everybody's like patting each other on the back. And then Jesus is like, yeah, that's really great. I'm going to have to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to have to die. And I'm going to have to give up my life and it's going to be terrible. And Peter is like, no, you are not. 
He goes from being like, yes, the Holy Spirit said that to you. And then you know what Jesus says? I mean, we're talking the same conversation. He says, get thee behind me. Satan. What? What is, what is going on? Peter's, here's the truth. Peter is, Peter is everything I love in a person. He is so, like, sold out. He, he, he leads with his heart. And, and so when he just blurted out, you are the Christ, the Son of God, that just came from his gut. But also when Jesus says that the road that I have to go down is going to be painful, it's going to be scary, and it's going to be painful for all of you. Peter, still talking from his gut, right? That, no, no, you, you can't shortcut the ugliness. I know you think you want to save me from the pain, save yourself from the difficulty, but the difficulty is the plan. The pain is the plan. And so, we jump into our story after that, juxtaposed against this thing where, where Peter and his disciples are um, are, are being pulled between this sense that there is a looming disaster coming. Do you hear what I'm saying? You ever, you ever been there? You're like, I know it's about to drop. There is a looming disaster, and they're trying to figure out what does it look like? What does it feel like to follow Jesus in this? It says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his super close bros, with him, and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured. That word um, in the Greek is actually just, the, it's the same word that we use for transformed. It's, it's the word we get metamorphosis from. He was changed, physically changed. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. I love that little line. Um, you can, it, whiter than what you could see on a, a Clorox commercial. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses. Now, this is super weird. Elijah and Moses, these are dudes from the Old Testament. These are dudes from hundreds of years before them appeared Elijah and Moses who were hanging out, chilling with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, oh man, this is awesome. Rabbi, it's so good for us to be here. Um, let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. I love this little parenthetical. Um, he didn't know what to say. They were so frightened. I love that because it's like, uh, it's just so Peter. He's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. Let's build shelters. Let's, let's, um, I don't know. Should we get takeout? I, uh, <laughs> I don't know. There's something hilarious about that. He doesn't know what to say because he was so frightened. And then a cloud appeared and covered them. So on the inside, it must have felt like dense fog, right? A cloud appeared and covered them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. And then... Did I scare you? 
<laughs> Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Like, vanish into thin air. Tell me that's not weird. That's just a weird story. But I love this moment. I love the moment because there is, you know, there's a million things we can talk about with the transfiguration. We're not going to talk about them all. But I love the moment when Peter is, when Peter's first reaction is, this is so amazing. Let's stay here. Right? Like, this is so cool. Let's not go anywhere else. Let's just stay right here. I had, um, I, I don't know if you've ever had an experience like maybe even a spiritual experience that you're just like, I can't leave this place. You know, like I, this, this is like the pinnacle. I just want to feel like this. Maybe it was a vacation. You know what I mean? Like I just, oh, I want to feel like this all the time. Um, I was, I was 19 and my dad, my dad did a lot of mission work um, when we were growing up. 19, my dad was asked to come and preach at a, um, like, a, a big tent revival in Kingston, Jamaica. Uh, and the idea of the tent revival is you, you go into the community and you, you do this tent revival for a week and then you launch a church at the end of it. You get all these people together and then you launch a church. Um, and... And so my dad, I was 19, and I was, back in those days, like in the old days, I was actually a musician. Now other people who are good do it. Um, but but I, I, I would sing, and I'd play the guitar, and so my, my dad was like, hey, why don't you come with me? You can, you know, we'll spend the week together. I'll preach. You can do a song every night, you know, before the sermon. And I was like, free trip to Jamaica? Sounds good to me. I didn't really understand what Kingston, Jamaica looked like. <laughs> it, we were not on the beach. Let's just say that. Um, and so, so anyway, we get there. And the first night, and you know, it's, nothing's comfortable. And those of you guys who've done international travel, it takes a little bit to get um, in the swing of things. And man, uh, the very first night, we get there, and, uh, and I don't know anything about Jamaican culture. I just got, I've got my guitar. I get, we, we get to this... Uh, tent and nobody's there. It's literally nobody else is there. Everybody comes late. And, um, and so when they do, I was like, okay, I'm going to need to plug in and, you know, like get like a mic check. That's how we do things, right? No, that's not how we do things. Anyway, the, <laughs> the, uh, the sound system is from like 1974 and it, all the speakers are blown, completely blown. And I think to myself, this is going to be weird. And, but they have a band, and the band is fantastic. Like, the music that they do for their worship is just amazing. And everybody's got their big amps and everything. It's, like, really cool. And so I'm thinking, I, I'm just going to get up. I'm just going to do my thing. I'm feeling kind of weird about it. But I get up, and, um, and I, I didn't realize in Jamaican culture that music is not a performance ever. Music is always shared. And so I start playing the guitar, and nothing's really coming out in the, in the speakers. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, as I'm playing and singing, I hear a guy on the keyboard, like, plunking out notes. I've heard this song, and he's trying to find what key I'm in, right? Because they're going to play along with No, they've never heard this song. They don't know this, because I wrote this song. I know they never heard this, heard this song. 
And so they start, and so he tells his buddies, okay, we're in the key of G, and they start playing, but I'm not plugged in. So they start playing a whole chord progression I didn't know, and I'm petrified. I'm thinking, I've got no, so I have to write, I have to sing my song to whatever they're playing over here. And I'm 19 years old, and I feel terrible. Like, I am just, there's probably, there's a few hundred people in this place, and I am just petrified. I feel like an idiot. I feel like I, and, um, and I remember at the end of that night, I was just like, dad, what am I doing here? I don't even know. You know, it just feels gross. And then things just kept happening that were bad. You know, uh, we, we had somebody who, who, who stole a bunch of stuff from us. It just one bad thing after another. About three days in, I said, dad, I just want to go home. Okay. I was 19 right? Dad, I just want to go home. This, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And he said, give it two more days. Give it two more days. If, if, if you haven't figured this thing out, and he'd done a, enough international travel. It takes a little time. He said, give it two more days. And so I did. And it got a little bit better. And I realized, I can stick this out. This isn't that big of a deal. And, and then we got to Saturday morning. Saturday morning, they, they were going to do a big worship service, and I didn't have to do anything for it, which was great, except um, I had, it was Saturday morning, so in, in Jamaica, you had to, you had to wear a three-piece suit for church, and it was in this tent that was being baked by the sun, and for some reason, they had the flaps down on the outside, and it was, it must have been a hundred plus degrees in there. I'm in my three-piece suit, We're, uh, and so, so I'm, and I have to stay, sit on the stage, um, and so I have to, you know, and my dad is, was a great preacher, um, but something happened that morning. My dad started preaching, and, uh, and he did this whole sermon where he, uh, he was going to do sort of an altar call at the end. Are you, know, like, are you willing to give yourself completely to Jesus? And it was, it was, a, hard, like, it was a tough sermon. And so I remember we're, we're up there on the stage, and he, and he gives the altar call, and he prays, and he asks people to come forward. And we all had our eyes closed. And there, must, there was maybe just under 1,000 people. I mean, this was a huge tent. I mean, a huge tent. Maybe about a thousand people there, and we look up, and I, I kid you not, almost half of the people in the room had come forward and were ready to give themselves completely to Jesus. My dad opens his eyes, and he sends them all back to his seat, to their seats. He says, "I don't think you understood what I said. Like I think you just want it. You know, like there's like this moment. I, I, I don't want you to just walk forward. I want this is about." Are you willing to give yourself up completely for Jesus? And he sends them back to their seats, and he closes his eyes, and he opens his eyes again, and there are two-thirds of the people who have come forward. And we start worshiping. And I can't describe to you what it was like, because by that time I was down on the floor, and we just started worshiping. And the, the way that the Spirit of God fell in that place, it was 100 plus degrees. I was touching at least four people, which you all know I don't like. And I, if you, if you had offered me $1,000 to leave that place, I wouldn't do it. 
because God was in that place in a way that I, I remember thinking while I was there, we can never stop doing this because I will never experience this again. It was like heaven on earth in that moment. We can never stop. And that's what everybody felt like. So we had started, it was planned to start at 9, so we started at 10.30. Um, we had started at 10.30 in the morning, and no one left. We went through lunch. All afternoon, we just kept worshiping. Nobody left because everybody in that place, there were hundreds of them. And I, I think to myself, I'll never, I, until I see Jesus, I will never experience that again. Um, and that is why nobody left. And then I think about our story today. I think about Peter. And he heard Jesus say, this is going to be hard. What we're about to do is going to be terrible. It's going to get ugly. And then they have this literal mountaintop experience. He takes them up there. He sees Elijah and he sees Moses and they're doing their thing and everybody's having a grand time. And, um, and Peter's like, this is fantastic. And he's like, we can never leave here. Because if we leave here, what, I know what's waiting for me down at the bottom of the mountain. I don't want to go deal with what's waiting for us down at the bottom of the mountain. Let's build shelters. Let's build a house here. Let's just set it up. We can have Elijah and Moses and Jesus, and people can come to you, and it'll be great. We don't have to do all that suffering stuff. That sounds terrible. And I, um, you know, I think about that experience I had in Jamaica, and I think, man, I want that. Does anybody ever, whenever you experience something like that, you're like, I need that all the time. I just, how come I can't sense that all the time? It feels like it's always slipping through my grasp. Well, I, I, I really believe that those are important experiences. The, the experiences that we have that are connecting us to something bigger, that remind us that there's something more. It's important. Those things are important, but they're not the point. They are not the goal. Getting up on that mountaintop with Jesus and Elijah and Moses, that wasn't the goal. Sacrifice is the goal. Taking up our cross, that's the point. That's where we're called to be. You know, when I feel like God is far away, God, I just, I just need to, you to give me something. Anybody ever said that? Like, I just need, I just need like a sign, something to sh tell me that you are still like on my side, that you're, that you care about something in my life. Just give me something, some kind of a sign. Because in our brains, we think if God will just give me a sign, that's going to sustain me through the rest of my life, right? If he, if, if he would just like do something crazy big, like, you know, Jesus and Moses and Elijah appearing, then that's going to take me to that next level and I'll be able to believe for the rest of my life. The problem is that's not how it works. That's not how we work. I mean, you look at those guys in Exodus, back in the Old Testament. Um, God sends uh, Moses to take everybody out of the of the. Uh, captivity in Egypt, they see 10 
plagues that God puts on the, on the uh, people of Egypt it's until they finally relent and let them go. Ten, like, crazy, miraculous, out-of-this-world plagues. They let them go, and so you would think, if you had seen all of that, that that would sustain you for the rest of your life. Guess how long it sustained them for? Like a month. A month later, they're ticked. They don't believe that God's going to take care of them. What are they saying? I want to go back. At least we had food back there. We think that there is this thing that's out there, this amazing, miraculous experience that's going to sustain us. But it doesn't sustain us for long. That's the reality. And so what, what is it that we're looking for? I mean, the, the reality is that a healthy spiritual life is one that finds a rhythm between being filled up and being poured out. This is really important. Peter got this sense. Here we are. This feels so great. I feel so full of the Holy Spirit. I feel so connected. And so he's just like, I just want to keep getting. That's I, you're, the purpose for you and for me. The reality is that a healthy spiritual life, it both has moments where we're being filled and moments where we're being poured out. Moments when we're being filled, moments when we're being poured out. That is a healthy, it's a, it's a balance, it's a back and forth. There are times when we feel it, there are times that we know it, they, and maybe you can look through your life and think about those kinds of times, but, but what's important is that we start to think through what does it look like? what does my life look like and i want you to do that for you today what does your life look like when it comes to being filled with those moments those things that god gives you for your sake and being poured out for the sake of somebody else you know there are people who um I, there are people I know who never get filled up. You know, they're not sure they believe in all of this God stuff. But there are people I know who, are, who don't believe anything that you and I believe, but who are much more sacrificial and loving than we are. I think we get this idea in church that, hey, we're, ch we're the church people, so we're the good people. You know what I'm saying? Like, people... People who are far from God, they're, they're you know, selfish, mean-spirited, bull. Some of, the, some of the most kind, giving, wonderful people I know are far from God. Maybe you don't believe, maybe they didn't grow up the way that you and I grew up. And I'll be honest with you, some of the meanest people I ever met are Christians. Am I not supposed to say that in church? It's just true. And so these, I, I really believe that that, that thing that, that I just described, I think, I think it happens. You know, there are people that I know who give of themselves and give of themselves, and all of a sudden you, you realize, I got nothing left to give. And they do it because they think that, that it's the right thing to do, and it is. But if they're not going back to the source to get filled up, it's going to kill them. 
they're just going to get drained. And so if they're, it's, like, it's like you're a pitcher or a bucket of water. If you, want, if you keep dumping things out, that's good, that's nice. You dump things out for your kids, right? You give your whole energy for your kids. If you're not getting filled back up, you've got nothing else to give. So there are people who give without ever getting filled. There are a bunch of Christians, on the other hand, who believe that life is all about getting filled up. You got to preach a sermon that I really like. You got to do music that I really like. You got to give me some spiritual experience. Please, give me, give me, give me. And, we, and they sta- stand under the spigot trying to fill their bucket, and their entire life is consumed with Bible study. I'm not, trust me, I'm not against Bible study. I love Bible study. But I know people whose religion is Bible study. All they care about is just give me more information. Fill me up a little bit more. And they never, I'm telling you, I see it all the time. And I'm going to guess, I hope I don't hurt anybody. Actually, I don't care if I hurt your feelings. Okay. I'm going to guess there are people in this room who live this life. Who just... Please just give me, please just fill me up. Please just, you're not thinking about, about dumping. You're not thinking about pouring out. Just fill me up, please. And listen, I, I grew up in a way that that was kind of the way you thought about things. Our church, our, the church I grew up in, wonderful people. But it was more like a club. It was like you got to belong to the club, right? And, and the club is a club where we get filled up. For our sake. And so I'm not, I'm not telling you you're bad people. But what I'm saying is if you lean way too more, more toward getting filled up than you do. Get, stop hanging out under the spigot and go pour yourself out over somebody else. Because a healthy spiritual life is one that finds a rhythm between being filled up. And being poured out, being filled back up, poured back out. You don't get filled up for your sake. That's the, that is the key. You don't get filled up for your sake. You get filled up for the sake of somebody else so that you can pour yourself out. And then you find that's where it's supposed to be. There's, there are people who are never filled and never poured. And I, um, I run across them. I run across them a lot. They play a lot of video games. <laughs> I'm not anti-video game. I like video games. I play video games, okay? But there are people who are just internally focused. They don't really care about getting filled up with the good that God has to give us, and they don't care about pouring it out on anybody else, just self-focused. And I just, you know, I think it's worth all of us, you know, taking a good hard look. I think sometimes it's just good. Just take a hard look at yourself and say, am I, do I have a balance in my life between getting filled up and getting poured out? Now, before we get into that, the, the other question is, what does it look like to get filled up? 
And I believe there are, um, there are lots of ways to get filled up. And I'm not just talking about going to church and hearing a sermon, though I think that can be a way that you're filled up. I know that sounds very unspiritual, right? Like I should be like worship music and the sense of the Holy Spirit in my life. I know that's supposed to be my answer, but you want to know what fills me up? Being out on a kayak on a river by myself. That fills me up. I, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's books. Maybe books. Like if you're an introvert and you think uh, what's supposed to fill me up doesn't fill me up. Going to a church. But what is going to fill your bucket? I know for me, not only does kayaking fill my bucket emotionally, but it does physically. I know that being out there and doing something matters for me. I'm not preaching like, <laughs> in order to be a good Christian, you got to exercise. That's not what I'm saying. I just know that's part of me filling my bucket physically, emotionally, and then I got to fill it spiritually. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think that if, if showing up here on the weekend is the way that you fill your bucket spiritually, I think that is a fantastic, very, very, very first step. Because it ain't enough. If you're going to pour yourself out on your kids, if you're going to pour yourself out on your family, if you're going to pour yourself out for the sake of other people, the way that you're supposed to, showing up at church for an hour on Sunday morning ain't going to fill you up enough. And so what, where, how spiritually are you going to get filled? I listen to podcasts. I like them. I do it when I'm kayaking. Um, that's just, that's my thing. I'm an auditory guy. What's going to fill you up? Does sitting in the Word of God fill you up? But does prayer fill you up spiritually? How are you going to fill yourself up more than just once a week on Sunday morning? And it's got to be a habit. I, I just so appreciate it. There's a bunch of you guys that I didn't know you a year ago, but you are here every single week. And I appreciate that because it's a habit. You go back and forth. You keep coming back to the, to the uh, source. You keep coming back to the source. But I just want to say to you, uh, you know what another great way to fill yourself up spiritually is? Um, Kellen, Kellen talked about it on the um, video. Get on a serving team. Get connected with people. Serve somebody. You think that's the pouring out? That's actually not the pouring out. That's, you're going to get more than you give if you, if you get on a serving team. I can tell you that. But I do want to talk about what it looks like to pour ourselves out. <coughs> because remember, we've got this tension that Peter feels up on that mountaintop. He's like, I don't want where it feels really good. And Jesus is like, this is not where we live. We live down where it gets ugly, where we pour ourselves out. And what did Jesus do? He poured himself out completely to the point of death. He gave and he gave and he gave some more. So how do we pour ourselves out? Honestly, it's not rocket science. I, um, it's funny, my, my mother-in-law, uh, Diana, when, when Mandy's dad passed, um, she was on her own for a while. And then she met this man who, you know, he wasn't like a, a super like uber Christian the way that 
I grew up going to church every single week, three times a week, you know, that kind of a thing. He wasn't that guy. Um, but I remember, I was young, I, I, probably in my mid-20s when I met him, and I watched the way that he served Mandy's mom. And I was blown away. I, I, I had never really seen a person who lived humbly and sacrificially the way that John did. That's his name, John. And he, um, he modeled for me, what does it mean to serve your wife? What is it? And listen, I'm not, I'm not doing a marriage sermon here. I'm just saying, as a, as a man, what does it look like for me to pour myself out for my wife? What does it look like to pour myself out? Has it been three years ago now? Um, three and a half. And, uh, and my mom loves to travel. But she, she uh, said, I, I told Mandy, whenever she calls and asks if we would travel with her to go somewhere, if we possibly can, we're going to say yes. And, um, and so she called and she said, can, will you guys take me to the 9-11 memorial in New York City? And um, so sure, you know, of course. And so she, she creates all the plans. She loves that part of it. And, um, and I get to New York. I know that, I know what New York City's like. It's crazy. Everything's crazy. Everything's a lot of work. Everything costs a million dollars. Um, I'm not a big fan, but here's what I know. Here, there I am in New York City with my mom. I don't know how many years I got left with her. And my wife, who I love dearly. And I th think to myself, um, I'm just going to pour myself out this week. That's it. Just gonna, I'm just going to pour myself out. And so I spent, you know, <laughs> two people... Uh, for different reasons, who have limited mobility in New York City, not the easiest thing in the world. Um, it was so much work. I couldn't wait to come home and go back to work. But I'll tell you what, my mom had a blast. We were there for five nights, and it was about four nights too many. Um, I'm, just, I'm kidding. She had so much fun. I, we, I, I went to and got those half-price tickets to Broadway shows, and it poured down rain for more than half of the time that we were there. It was, but she and my wife had a blast. And I'll tell you what, I poured myself out for a few days. I'm going to tell you, it didn't kill me. You know what I'm saying? My, my wife and my mom, who, who deserves it more than that? But I, I, I got to be real. I, I, I can't pour myself out for the two of them for five days unless I have been filled up. And that's, that's where I'm hoping us to, for us to, to get because I, I just want us to understand that for Jesus, for Jesus, defeat wasn't an accident. The cross wasn't something that he didn't think through. Do you know what I'm saying? The cross was the point. That's where he was going. I mean, from the outside looking in, it must have looked like, hey, he had started this movement, and now everything is destroyed. Everything doesn't matter. All that he had planned was, was put to ruin because he went to the cross. And Jesus is like, no, the cross is the point. Defeat is the point. I believe that 
the model for spiritual victory. That sounds really stupid, right? How do you get victory from... But you look through Scripture. There is no resurrection. There is no victory without first defeat. Every great story... Even like, you know, big epic movies like the Lord of the Rings. you got to get to the place of defeat before you ever really understand what it looks like to gain victory. And so Jesus models what does life look like to be poured out? The cross. And he says, if anybody's going to come after me, they should take up their cross daily and follow me. That's what it's supposed to look like. Defeat wasn't an accident. It is the model for spiritual victory. I also believe, though, that sacrifice, all of that pouring yourself out, it brings you glory. Because there's a principle that's really important in Scripture. Glory is reflective. Glory is, um, excuse me, glory is reflective. What happens is that um, our willingness to follow Jesus into, to pour ourselves out, to follow him into, the, into defeat, brings glory to God, but that glory is reflected back on us as we are transformed, transfigured. That, uh, this is 12, Romans 12, 2. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Same exact word. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God is transforming us. And the way that it works, this is a really important concept. When we to live a, a healthy spiritual life where we're being filled and poured out, filled and poured out, when we give ourselves to it, what happens is we glorify God. We show what, who God is. And that glory is reflected back on us. And so, I'll tell you what, you meet this guy, John, the guy I was talking about that's married to my mother-in-law. You meet him, you're going to like him. You know what I'm saying? You're going to look at him and you're going to be like, that's a dude I want to be around. People like him. People think great things about him. He lives in a small town on the coast of Oregon. And everybody in that town knows him and loves him. Now, you think, did he, how, did he, how did he make that happen? How does, it, how does everybody, it's because he just lives a life where he is poured out for other people. He's always going to be the guy who goes the extra mile for somebody. But I got to be real with you. There is a fine line between God's glory getting reflected on us because we're pouring ourselves out and someone who is trying to gain attention by doing good works. Do you know what I'm saying? That's a, there's a really fine line. Like somebody, and, and what we're really talking about, the, that fine line between the person who is, who is doing it to pour themselves out, to, to give God glory, and the glory is reflected back on them, between that person and the person who's just like, I really want people to like me, so I'm going to do some nice things. The line is motivation. 
What's our motivation? Why am I pouring myself out? And this is where the rubber really meets the road. Am I pouring myself out for my sake? Or am I pouring myself out? Because that is what a healthy spiritual life looks like. Um, no matter what, motivations eventually always become transparent. If I had one secret to a peaceful life, it is check your motivations always and choose the right ones. Don't fake your motivations because if you fake it, people, there is something deep inside. I don't know if it's inside the brain or if it's a spiritual thing. People see through your motivations. If, if deep down, your, your motivation is really about yourself, you're, um, you're, you're going to be seen through. That's just a reality. And so um, for me, I, I have to choose, <coughs> choose my motivations. I have to decide. I'm not going to run after what I want. I'm not going to run after glory for myself. If I choose to just be the right, do the right thing, to be filled up and poured out, um, Louis Giglio uh, talks about the moon. You know, the moon is, it's just a rock up there. I mean, it's a round one. I'll tell you, anybody ever seen a moon that you're like, that is gorgeous? You know, like that is a beautiful moon. And the, the reality is, the moon is just a big old rock up there. It's got nothing. The moon is nothing if the sun isn't reflecting off of it. It's just a rock. And that, that's true about you and me. If, if all we are is are just a bunch of specks of dust flying around the sun, we're nothing. We're, we're just flesh and bone unless, unless the Spirit of God shines through us the way he did with Jesus, the way he transformed, transfigured Jesus. And that light came from the inside. We think, we think it all comes from us, but the truth is all we are specks of dust unless we get shined on by the Holy Spirit so that we could have access to the source. And um, access to the source is everything. To be shined on by the light of the Holy Spirit, to be transformed, transfigured, as we pour ourselves out. That's the whole point. So I'm going to ask you to stand and um, we're going to sing. But I'll just, I'll just pray a prayer over each one of us. Father in heaven, thank you that, <clears throat> that you're still in the business of transfiguring us, transforming us. Would you show us your glory? Would you help us to reflect your glory? God, would you speak to each one of us as if we're living unbalanced spiritual lives? Help us to learn to 
fill ourselves up in you and then pour ourselves out. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.